Hello, my name is Michael Sandoval. I'm Chris Detzel. And welcome to another uh, episode of uh, Peers Over Beers. Cheers. Cheers. What are we drinking today, Mike? Actually, I Michael. cannot tell you. I you don't forgot. know? Oh, it's from uh, Pedicolis. Yeah, you know, I got a Dallas. picture today, so maybe uh, I'll post that on our Twitter. Oh, yeah. You know, I should be posting in the show notes what beer we're drinking. Yeah, I agree. I keep forgetting. I think that's a great idea. I always try to find something in Dallas. Yeah. It's, it's, I don't know if it's the same thing we drank last time. But... Oh, no, no. It's a different one. Oh, okay. And I forgot which one it was called. But so far, the, the ones we've had are, have, been all, have all been IPAs. Oh, well, they're excellent. Yeah, they're quite tasty. I start feeling tipsy after the first one. <laughs> <laughs> oh, quick, let's, let's, let's chat let's before that happens. Let's start talking. <laughs> <laughs> so, Chris, we were, as, as we always do, we kind of do a little bit of a show, a pre-show prep to talk about yeah. what's going on. Um, and you had brought up a couple of things. One was open source communities. Yeah. Um, what did you, did you have any... It sounds like you had some interesting questions around open source. Yeah, it's interesting because maybe I just didn't know this about you, but or maybe I did and I didn't pay attention. But I keep a lot of things secret. <laughs> but something that's intriguing to me is uh, open source or developer communities. Mm. Um, and I know that you've started from scratch two of them, right? Yes, I did. Oh, okay. And I, I just have a lot of questions around some of the... I've never started a... a open source community. And I, f I feel like that there's uh, a lot of people are, uh, that uh, I'm, I'm talking to a lot of community managers out there and there's several that are de developer community managers or community developer managers or whatever they call them. But so it's been intriguing, you know, what, what, uh, so, so my community that I'm building today is, is right now a support community. Um, the one that we built at, uh, uh, Rexel, we built three communities. At least two of them were um, support communities, and, mm -hmm. and and even the French one was support. Mm -hmm. um, so, my my question really is: is you know, there's got to be a huge difference. I would love to kind of know a little bit uh, more about one, how you started, what what your strategy was, what you what problems were you trying to solve, what all those things. Like, I I just want to know what the biggest difference is. You know. Yeah, <clears throat> that's a very good question. A lot of questions. Yeah, no. Let me see here. Let me step back. Um, so on the open source community, uh, to me, they're the most fun to work on mm. because more than likely you already have a community of individuals who are already rabid fans about a thing. Mm. And uh, when I was working at Text Instruments, we had just started germinating a new board, an open source board. So this is what the whole thing was about. Um, called BeagleBoard, hmm. and it was it was developed by, uh, gosh, I hope I get his name right, Jason Cridner, I believe, um, and he had he and himself from scratch developed the board himself. I believe him and some team members had put like it he developed this board. It wasn't on a platform or anything like that. But yeah, well, it was dealt, it was on the TI platform, but I mean, it, he put the whole board. So imagine, if you will, an entire computer on the size of a you know. A five by six card. Okay, and, and so it was quite impressive. There are other boards out there, like um, oh, it's a real famous one. Um, that's it's an it's on an AM. Uh, oh my goodness, uh, it's draw, I'm drawing a blank right now. Um, 
a Raspberry Pi. It's a very famous kind of open source. I've heard of that. Yeah. yeah, yeah. So kind of in that frame, it's on a different. At the time, it was on a competing on a competitive uh, technology. So mm. we had developed one at the same time. And what was what made Raspberry Pi unique was not just the product itself, but it was the community of rabid electrical engineers and developers who provided all of the content for that board and its support. So it wasn't all the all the company had to do or all the group of people did was just to create the, 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 the baseboard and it was manufactured and sent out to Ether. You could buy it, but yep. you would actually go to the community to download the software, the open apps and the like. And then if you had problems, you had a whole community of people to help you out with. So it wasn't just people that were employees. It was customers or just people using the open source, developers using that open source and contributing to some of that, right? Exactly correct. Okay. I, I mean, just think about your day job and then you, you'd come home at night mm. and you would log on to your machine and you would start working on code for this particular platform. You would not get paid for it. You, uh, the company that you worked for probably wasn't going to recognize you for it. You just did it for the good of the community, which is pretty impressive. Do you, although impressive, do you think family life was hurt at all in that? <laughs> well, I mean, it kind of reminds me of these stories that you hear of people playing video games and their spouse gets pissed off and divorces them and all this crazy stuff. So I don't know. Well, uh, I, I cannot speak to that. I I will imagine that this is probably at some level a hobby that does interfere with maybe someone's personal life from time okay. to time. We all have those crazy hobbies. Um, you could be a train collector, for God's sakes, when you have a, your own train set in <laughs> the bottom of your... Uh, that's kind of your weird. basement, which is a completely other conversation. To Did have. you ever have a train set? Uh, we we let's not talk about that. In this <laughs> okay. <laughs> uh, we yes. digress a yeah, little. Yeah, but but yes, yes, I did, and that's a total other funny conversation to have. Um, uh, but uh, I mean, just think about the amount of content that was created by these engineers to the board. Right? Yeah. So you kind of wanted to harvest that. So uh, the way. Jason, at the time, had done it. He had developed a board. He had a few prototypes developed. He would go to some of these uh, open source conferences and go to customers themselves. Mm. And he would slowly get people excited about it, you know, and, and say, hey, can you help me out? Can you help me out? And finally, he got a small um, group of individuals, right? And through his own ca capabilities, um, kind of did this, you know, mini open source community on himself, right? I think it was on Yahoo groups and some other stuff. Oh, okay. And and I said, oh, I, I we can help you out. I can help you out there, right? So we, mm. that's when I, you know, that's when I helped him out on figuring that out. So what does that strategy look like, right? So one... Wait, wait, wait. When you said you help him out, did you, were you the community manager at the time? What was your role uh, at TI? It was TI, right? <laughs> well, yeah. The, uh, when I was at TI, yes, yeah, so I was already... In a community, I was already. Community oh, okay. Role, okay. So I was a so community expert different. at the company. Okay. And um, and so at that time, I had also worked with another colleague, uh, Philip Parker, who was the Markham Market Communications Manager there. Hmm. And together, we kind of put because the other thing that 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 we needed to do with the board was bring it to life. Yeah. And yeah, yeah. it did not have a a persona. 
right? So when you know, this is the interesting thing mm. about communities, right? Communities themselves is just it itself is also a persona. It's a person, right? And you're when you interact with the site, it's you think it's just the site, but it's the collection of people itself is a person, right? It's Absolutely. the persona, right? So in that we had to develop who is this persona, who is this thing, right? Mm. Who and so we developed with with his help, we developed what this looked like, right? So um, I remember uh, drawing what the logo would look like, you know, huh. on freehand. I went to like uh, like iStockphoto.com and started putting some stuff together. Um, we were both uh, dog fans, and we still are dog fans, and and we thought, you know, the most friendly, most approachable dog out there is a beagle, huh. you know, yeah. and this has to be the beagle board, right? I mean, that's kind of how we, beagle board. I love yeah, it. Yeah, yeah, you know, and. Um, we quickly got the beagleboard.org uh, website domain, and we started building it. We worked with some of our creative teams to kind of build the logo. I mean, we from scratch we we built the the go to market strategy. What does the logo look like? What is the uh, the the key value proposition? Um, we started drafting out on whiteboard what a customer's experience is when they come onto the open source community. What are the two three things they want to do when they come on? Um, how we distributed software through the website. Um, we also set very firmly, even though TI was helping, we yeah. wanted to absolutely make a a great wall between Texas Instruments and this community. We yeah, so, so to far develop as, trust. Is that, uh, is that correct? We wanted yeah. to develop trust. We, we truly, 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 truly absolutely meant this. It's not lip service in any way. We truly believe that the the viability of the product was not on the company itself, but it was on the viability of the of the contributions. And so we wanted to make sure that this was completely, completely off of TI's grid, if you will. Is that because uh, developers or those guys just don't want anything to do with a particular brand or company and, and this kind of felt like its own thing, you know, and people wanted to be a part of it or... I don't know. Well, that's a very good question, and it's it's a question I think you and I had debated one time uh, when we were together. Yeah. Uh, because I think a lot of community managers go through this iteration themselves. How much of the brand halo do you want to have on your community? Yeah. And it goes down to even does the brand exist in the name, or do you completely make it its own identity? Yeah. And and if it's its own identity, how much do you integrate the brand, right? And Makes these sense. All these things. And you're absolutely correct. It has to do with trust. It absolutely has to do with trust. And you want, and even today in today's privacy policy stuff, right, you're thinking, oh my God, if I give this, my login information to, you know, the big man, uh -huh. they're going to be using my information for something else, right? Yeah. We even built firewalls so that the contact databases never touched TI's uh, domain. They were completely sealed. They were in a different uh, hmm. site. They, the, the, the servers were not even on TI. Uh, we did everything we can to make sure that this was completely an open source, solely supported by the good people who are logging in. Moreover, when we created the login, we did the login that was integrated with LinkedIn and Facebook. And oh, Google. they had LinkedIn back then. Yeah, they did. LinkedIn. <laughs> <laughs> Way back when. It was invented just after the telephone. <laughs> <laughs> and we had this uh, very unique separation between the two, hmm. and um, and it worked. 
it, it worked. I, I, I mean, as far and that was fun because uh, that was really roll up your sleeves kind of work. I mean, I remember spending late nights at the uh, company and putting the wireframes together, and I was the one who coded the site. And I think it, we used um, we. Oh, I can't remember the website, the the software background that we used. Uh, oh, it could. Uh, it may still be on Wiki. I don't know if we st- we're, we're using Wikimedia or not, but uh, Media Wiki rather. Um, it'll come to you. So let's it'll, it'll come to me. But let's, no. let's think about this. Is uh, so that that's a pretty cool, cool story. But I want to get more into uh, the strategy of why um, a community. What problems were you trying to solve, and 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 things like that? Because that is a really cool story, by the way. I loved it. Yeah. So it's it's it was pretty clear, right? So we were trying to create a product that was as as easy to use as the Raspberry Pi was. Ah. And therefore, the, as I mentioned, the, the clear distinction between Raspberry Pi was its ease of use, its um, openness in its content, and the fact that there was a large community of supporters who were providing content to use that machine. Yeah. So we believed that we had a product that was as good if not better, and I think today is better than the mm. Raspberry Pi, just from a features and capabilities perspective. The price point at that time was probably twice as expensive, which may be a challenge, but huh. it was, I think, had twice the capability. So if you looked at it from a strategy within the in the market, it was like the next step up type of thing. That's fair. So then the next step was how do you create a rabid fan base? Mm. That was the that was yeah. the deal. So. The way we approached it was working with Jason, who already had a small group of fans, right? Yeah. And uh, the, the way we worked out the strategy was around a few things. One, um, making it extremely easy for uh, developers to submit code and have that checked in and validated and worked on, right? So there was a, this idea of projects. So you could easily create and upload a project. Those projects would get um, supported by the community. Mm. So that would, you know, forge up and vote down. And then as people worked on those projects, oh, it's kind of like an ideation thing. Uh, at the time, it wasn't an ideation. I mean, but it sounds like that's what it is. But in a sense, think of it more like a large library oh, of projects yeah. that some had more contribution than others would be the best way that's to fair. describe it. There was a... Um, so there's that piece, right? So we're, we focused a lot about how do we manage projects? Okay. How do I get content in was the number one piece that we were focusing on. Um, the second piece was around good old fashioned marketing, right? So we would take, not me, this is what Jason would do. He would take some of his cool applications that he would find on the, that he would see being submitted and he would create videos. So he did old-fashioned boot-ups, out-of-the-box type experiences. He sounds like a guy I like, you know, getting <laughs> shit done. Just, just go do some shit. You know what I mean? Yep. And, and he, would, he, would, he would encourage other engineers to submit their videos too. So we had this large uh, database, and I think if you look at them right now, uh, videos of... Still there. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And what made it, I think what, one of the things that made it really cool, the, there was a, one Halloween in which one of the engineers made an Iron Man... Uh, suit hmm. with the whole lighting feature that was done uh, from a beagle board. And of course that went viral. Uh, like 
and and from there on out, we started to get a lot of interest into the. Uh, That's pretty cool. Uh, the Beagle Board piece. So that so two was just good old old fashioned guerrilla marketing, um, uh, video content uh, out to the site. Well, when you say marketing, like it sounds like a lot of organic type marketing. You know, yep. they just create some stuff, and then all of a sudden, people just catch on and. So that, that's a good question. So what was the marketing content look like? So this is where my good friend Phil Parker was really good about doing. So he was a guerrilla marketing master. So he oh. would, uh, he, at some of our large events, he would show up in a full-length beagle costume. Oh, that's pretty awesome. I kid you not. It was, <laughs> a, it was a dog, and he looked forward to dressing up in that, Silly, full scale. Love it. But that created so much buzz in any avenue and venue we were in. And he was the, the spokesperson of the Beagle Board. Wow. And because it was such an easy thing to get to, and it's actually a very fun board, that cost, and so cheap, we're talking about sub $100 type stuff, hmm. that you could download. And within 15 minutes, you can have a full-blown operating system uh, running our, on our device that you can develop on. Anything. I mean, any application you're trying to figure out, uh, you could get started very easily. Okay. So it, it created this nice kind of base point for. You, you just got me so excited about uh, <laughs> you know, th those things excite me. Like I remember one time, and we'll get back to your thing, but is you know if you get shirts for people and you get people excited, you say some things, and and they're just oh yeah, let's go community, blah blah blah. I mean, just doing that basic stuff is super helpful internally, and then that's kind of what he's doing. He's going to events and things like that that, you know, got people excited. Wore a suit, you know, yep. for the community, and yep. and that's, I love it, man. I mean, that's like, <laughs> that's, that's pretty cool. Uh, yeah, and, and, and believe it or not, that stuff works. I mean, yes, oh, and we did yeah, have t-shirts. We had t-shirts, yeah. uh, and I'll tell you something really funny. Um, so my friend Phil, he he wanted to have an excuse to buy a bunch of blow up beagle dogs yeah so he goes to oriental trading company and he buys these you know 12 by 12 beagle blow up dogs you know dolls and they're it sounds funny to say blow up doll but that's you what should they have saw my face whenever he said it. i was like huh? <laughs> i know i saw your face too i'm like <laughs> let's take it down a notch huh? it's, it's all good, it's all good. <laughs> it really was <laughs> <laughs> I, I swear he bought like a thousand of them and he, I think on that launch, we blew them all up and we put them on top of the cube. So it was when you walked in the next day, it was a sea of beagles all over cube land at Texas Instruments. And it was, it was, it was insane. It was Talk great. about all this internal kind of excitement that yep. it created. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So Love it. Uh, oh my goodness. <laughs> I almost said something bad, but oh, uh, I yeah. love it. Yeah, but... Believe it or not, that guerrilla, old school guerrilla marketing stuff works. Yeah, it does. Uh, and 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 especially going so on the on the the third point of the strategy was around separation of the company, the whole proverbial church mm -hmm. and state uh, that we took uh, into consideration. Getting religious on me. Oh yeah, well, or political, depending <laughs> on how you look at it. Um, really, uh, really kind of set the stage of we had to kind of germinate stuff internally. Uh, organically and yeah. everything we did outside was also in a sense not supported by the company right so mm -hmm. there was a fine line even with our own efforts that even though I was helping at some point it's not it is to the company's benefit but in a sense you're doing it almost for free yourself yeah right? because it's it's to 
it's to the benefit of the larger cause, right? So, you know, I would spend late nights trying to fix it, right? Or do whatever I have to do to kind of get it done. Yeah. But it, but it worked, right? I mean, we had, uh, when we launched it, um, oh, and the last point was extremely easy access to the product itself, right? So if you go to any open source community that's around a product, they're extremely quick about getting you to the purchase of the product so we can get it, uh, get it to you. Um, we also worked on getting started content. Yeah. So getting, you know, once you get the board in your face or in your hands, it should be extremely easy to get you up and going, uh, on your new, on your new site. So those were the, the key things. Something, um, so just to put it in perspective, one, uh, you found somebody that was doing something cool within the organization and you helped them to, to make it bigger and better, uh, by also using guerrilla marketing, right? Maybe not you specifically, but people that were excited about this board and, um, and then you had kind of a mascot, right? So oh, totally had a mascot. <laughs> I mean, that was the fun part about the whole thing. Yeah. And, and, and this is kind of the, how you get people and, uh, the mascot is what both internal and external, yep. uh, the, the balloons or whatever the hell it was, the blow up dolls that you yeah. mentioned you can say were all, doll. uh, internal kind of stuff that you did, but it was, it was a little bit crazy, but yeah. yet it, it worked. Um, it got people's people to notice, uh, obviously their shirts and other, um, things that people wore to kind of, you know, promote it. Um, uh, it sounds pretty cool. Yep. You know, so while that's like my personal experience, right? Yeah. It, what if you're encountered to create your own open source community? Yeah. Right? What do you do? Right? The questions you should be asking yourself right away is why? Yes. Um, I've heard that anyways. You know, every community. Why Why community? Why? What, what is your community going to do? But yeah, that's a good point. And I think a lot of companies love the concept of open source community because financially to the company, it makes sense. You mean I don't have to create a support team? I don't have to create an engineering team? I don't have to go develop content for this board? I just kind of put it out there and people go do stuff with it? And contribute. Yeah. And contribute? I, you know, when you look at it at face value, it sounds extremely appetizing. And it is. However, it's not easy, right? And so if the company's impetus to do this is to do it for complete financial reasons, yeah, and they think it's the right thing to do in that regard, it's not going to work, hmm. right? There has to be a reason why they want to do open source, right? And it's uh, usually open source uh, projects within a larger enterprise are, um, uh, what's it called, uh, compatible, you know, so they're running along other things that are going on. Uh, usually it's an entry capability so it, it gets people into the technology it allows them to understand uh the technology in a very kind of low yeah. um, cost mm. very easy way yes. um if you wanted to make it a larger strategy like say linux communities you know where you have like red hat and the like where the core business model is the open source product itself that company is actually selling services on top of that right so it's a different they actually use a community to upsell you certain activities right yeah. so you have to understand where the open source product is within the overall product structure of that company, right? Two is they have to have an extremely hands-off uh, 
motive around it. So this is not, in some way, you kind of have to let the company be okay with the fact that this is to the benefit of the community, not to the company, right? In a sense, they're kind of giving technology out there that in the long run will help them because there's more people using your technology yeah. and getting used to your technology. So that's goodness. But, and that can be quantified financially. I mean, you can actually put some numbers around that and we did that with BeagleBoard.org. But at the beginning, that's, that's, that's not what you should be focused on, right? This is for the goodness of the community. This is for being an engineer. Right. This is the yeah. glory of an engineer. Right. This is just a fun thing to get around. Uh, again, you just, a company really has to go through that iteration to understand. And the reason that's important because I've also been in a situation in which they really wanted to do it for financial reasons, and it didn't work. It I think every company work. is wanting to do this for financial reasons at the end of the day. But I think patience is um, is the key and, and very important. But um, when you look at companies today, they want to know what is the value. To, so I get this even from my community is it just opened up a month ago and, and my boss and others are asking, well, you know, when are we getting case deflection? You know, when is that going to happen? I'm like, mm. well, I mean, that's not going to happen right now. I mean, <laughs> we've got a lot of things to do. And so let's talk. About, but it's probably the same, right? You know, it's whatever the value is, what's the financial gain, what's um What's the value of this open source community? And, and, and I would think that it takes time and effort to start, to, to kind of get in the middle, and, and then um, uh, then start providing what the real value is. I mean, one way or another, though, Michael, we have, as community managers, we have to think about what is the value and is there true value to that? And, and, and I think Devish has always said that, right? Like, uh, and, and you've taught me this, too, is like, you know, let's, let's, you're not here just to create a community. Yeah, I, I've also right? said this is not a, uh, this is not a, uh, uh, even though we're talking about open source and this is not a free market enterprise, right? Right. Uh, no, no, I, I agree. And, and I think this is why I think open source communities are fun. Yeah. Because as you just mentioned, the other communities are so focused around and rightly, sh rightly should around the value point to the company, right? Yeah. And the reason communities take off and the reason they're so good is because there's truly an intrinsic value to the brand. Yeah. I can give you countless studies where that is true. That's why I call it a branded community, I guess. <laughs> That's right. They're branded communities, right. And there's a reason for it, right? I can go on and on as another podcast about it, but... Um, Write that down. <laughs> we'll talk about it. <laughs> the, value of brand, the value of branded communities. Um, but in this one... It just felt like you were doing it for the greater good. Yeah. I, I don't know how else to describe it. That the folks who were doing it, because we were doing it kind of somewhat outside of our jobs, we would meet sometimes at night because all of our other priorities took place. It was for the greater good. We knew that we were doing it because we believed that this was something we wanted to do. Not just, but we actually enjoyed it. It was kind of fun. Yeah, it, it's you started building relationships with like-minded people, and they had the same kind of thought around. Hey, we're doing something good. Let's let's continue to do this together, and and, and that was yep. kind of fun. Um, you know, and this might be another podcast. I don't know, but what I would like to to kind of think about is is so 
some of this stuff was online that, um, you know, people were contributing code and, and, and things like that. But, you know, how important was the offline piece? So, you know, meeting after work and doing these things that are important to kind of, um, you know, get stuff done together. I mean, what, what kinds of things did you talk about? Did you have like presentations or you're just like, Hey, let's get together and get this shit done. Uh, and, and was it with customers or was it just internally or, you know, what, what kinds of things were going on there? Yeah. That's another podcast. That was going to, yeah. And so I'm level, very interested in that because yeah. I think there's a huge, um, uh, connection between offline which I think is highly important is the offline piece on almost, I say any community, but I, I think that people crave this offline stuff. You know, when I say offline, I mean meeting uh, at events or meeting mm. for coffee or meeting for whatever reason, uh, a, a group of people and talking about things that they're doing. So, you know, whether this is a developer or uh, a developer community or um, you know, peer-to-peer networking type community, but then how do you bring those conversations online too, right? And so yep. I think by building those relationships face-to-face and maybe on the phone or teleconference, et cetera, is key. Yep. Um, in fact, we should probably talk about that in the next one. Yep. Uh, before we go, I wanted to help summarize a little bit of some of the strategy points about the Absolutely. open source community, right? So I think the first thing we kind of focus on, one, I, I kind of gave you a little bit of a short story about what we did at TI, BeagleBoard.org. You can go see it. It's still there. Um, and it was around the product. Yep. Right? And that's number one key, right? So all open source communities have a product, whether it's a software product or if it's a physical product. That's mm. exactly what it is. And more than likely, the company has or is using this as a catalyst for something else. Yeah. Right? Uh, two... Um, uh, there has to be a way for you to submit projects and content, right? There has to be a very seamless way for you to allow an engineer or developer to submit their their contributions, to have that validated, to have it worked on, to have others see it, um, allow them to promote themselves in that community so they can get people around the project to yep. work on it. And that has to be part of the overall community, as well as the standard stuff, such as forums, um, discussion points, uh, or I'm sorry, discussion forums themselves. Um, two, guerrilla content, right? So this is the whole hmm. idea about just getting out there in front of people, right? <laughs> and it Do works. you mean guerrilla marketing? Gorilla, I'm sorry, guerrilla marketing. My yeah. apologies. Okay. Guerrilla, guerrilla marketing, yeah. yeah. Um, the, the other piece that was important was the separation of church and state, as I called it. So the company must hmm. release itself from being any part of this open source community. Uh if it does, then it sounds as if it's part of the community, right? It, it, it's not open source now. It's now a product of the company. And it makes it very difficult yeah. uh, for you to have a nonpartisan view of the content, right? So it just taints it in some way. And um, apart from that, just using your own community manager skills of how do you kickstart a community with content and you know yeah. customer engagement and the like those all still are required pieces of the job but they're a lot of fun and more than likely if you are a community manager trying to start one you're probably starting everything so in our case yeah, it yeah. was the brand it was the website it was i mean you may have to actually code some of it yourself i mean that's how that's how some of this uh so you're saying i wouldn't be a good fit to 
<laughs> build one of these communities. <laughs> I'm just saying you, you're a very resourceful guy. You can you can find folks. <laughs> I am good at that. Well, Michael, thank you so much. Uh, thank you very much, Chris. And thank you very much for listening to another uh, podcast of uh, Beers Over Beers. Cheers. Cheers. <laughs>